Word on the street is that Denny Hamlin wrecked Ross Chastain on purpose. I don't buy it for a second. He heard Ross was feeling a little down. He wanted to make sure he didn't have shingles. So he wanted to make sure he gave him a little shot of shingrix in a turn one. This is Stacking Pennies. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. I am Corley Joy, driver of the number seven Chevy Camaro, joined by the normal band of characters to my right, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello, how you doing there, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. Front tire changer, the runner-up finisher this weekend, Ryan Blaney, Mr. Ryan Flores. You got my trophy that Merriman so ki- kindly got me for You guys Christmas. are damn good at running second. Well, hell, we about stole one this weekend because we run eighth all race, so I'll, I'll take that. Last I checked, seventh is better than eighth. Second is way better and than eighth. Way better <laughs> sure. than and then that was Ice Cold Blue Mountain Take to key you up, my friend. John. You can have it. There you go. I'll take it. Good afternoon. How's it going? Great. Where do we start? Man, we got a big show on tap. We got the winner waiting in the wings. We've got some beef in the frying pan right now, rehashed. Thought the beef was consumed. Thought the beef was done. Dude, apparently it's not. He's taken. He must have listened to the podcast when Harvick said, "If you're not running good, he ain't just, looking good." No, now just, he's had just start, he trouble. said, "He said if I, when I was running good, it just caused some chaos." That's what I legitimately thought because, and we'll get right into that, shall we? Let's do it. Generally speaking, I mean, Denny's joined us here on the podcast. He is always a very calculated guy. I think, like, he's very thorough. I think he puts a lot of thought into his business decisions and the how he races people on the racetrack. Rarely do you see something that Denny does that makes you like scratch your head on the racetrack. For him to just drive the one in the fence and then turn around like 12 hours later and say he did it on purpose seemed very clunky to me for a Denny Hamlin type thing. Well, he explained it and it came off exactly how it looked and it was just confusing. Like, what? You would have finished probably in the top 10, if not top 15. And then you just totally throw your day away. For what? Doesn't make sense to me. It's like a it's like a real Karen move. It's like a real road rage, just like not super cool move. I'm not a big fan of it. If you're on his pit crew and you bust your butt all well, day long. Yeah, that's what I'm like that's what frustrates me is you have guys that are busting their ass from your pit crew just in there grinding, trying to find tenths of a second, hundredths of a second. Your road crew building the car, pushing the thing through tech. They get there early. They make sure everything's tight. They checklist everything. You know, everybody's taking their job very serious. And then you come in, and you aren't going to have the best day ever. You're not going to win. So you just, I just let go of the steering wheel and took them with me because I was going to get past anyway. Like, to me, you owe that to your guys, right? Because... Now your guys are going back to the plane, eat a damn soggy sandwich, and fly six hours home. And you're going to get on your jet and Take shoot a on back to you know shoot on back to Charlotte and do your podcast. Like that frustrates the hell out of me being on being a team guy because I'm like, yo, I've been grinding all week, leave my wife and kids at home. Obviously, it's a job I picked, it's a job I love, but like, why am I taking this more serious than the guy that's making eight million dollars a year? More than that, right? So that yeah. like. You owe it to me. That's a very selfish thing. You owe it to your team. Get, Get them the best finish possible because there's, you know, every team's different, but there's, you, you got to keep the regular season championship. 
you know, that, that's got to be in perspective. And if you lose it by five or ten points, you can point back at this race and say, bro, what was that? So is the beef back on the frying pan? Or is it over? I've heard that they talked after the race, and I don't know. He said truce, but... We've been down this road yeah. before with those two. How can you wreck somebody and then be like, hey, pal, let's just bury that. Well, the context Hang on is, a second. You just brought it back up. Denny said it was over uh, getting spun out the clash, an exhibition race. Mm. So, as a driver, do you hold more weight on a regular season race? Like, he, I mean, they, he cost himself and Ross. Ten points. Point points. Not clash finishing Actual positions. points. Yes. And money. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think but, it's ever going to be over between those guys because I don't think it's like a thing with Ross. I just kind of think that's how Ross races, and Denny comes out on the bad end of it sometimes, and then yeah. Denny gets more mad than most. Like We've seen Denny get in the run-ins with our guest today, William Byron, Joey Logano. You, you name him, and he's had run-ins with him. Well, but, there, there's a common denominator, and it's those guys are racing for wins. Win. So yeah. inevitably— you're going to run into guys that you race wheel-to-wheel with each and every week, right, consistently. And I'm not but, saying it's a bad thing that he gets into with those guys. I yeah, like it. For sure. It's great to have some rivalries. But when it comes at a detriment to your year-long goals and ob- objectives is when it starts to make you wonder. There's a huge difference between wrecking somebody or racing somebody hard and then just blowing your whole day. Like, he said – like. He just openly admitted, like, yep, let go of the steering wheel. I was coming, and I was going backwards, and he was coming with me. So, like, that I have an issue with. I don't, so if we he would have raced and wrecked each other. And, yeah. If he would have sh- just shuffled him up to the top, whether Ross hits the wall or not and keeps going, you're cool. I'd been cool if he right hooked him. I don't care. Let me ask you. Just, 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 can't, just can't talk. You just can't talk about it. Well, well that, that was going to be my question. Is like, if same exact thing happens, but he doesn't say like yeah. you, like he doesn't say anything. He doesn't have a podcast. Doesn't say anything. It just happens. He let go of the wheel in the car. Boom. Well, you, do you get, let me ask you a question. You ever see that that Matt Kenseth pulled to Martinsville? <laughs> what, what really chapped my ass is when he got day, out. So. But what, what I hate about the sport, what I hate more than Denny going and saying, "Yeah, I just did it," is guys get out and go, oh, "I think something broke." Like I hate that. I do like that Denny is candid and open about it, and I I hope that he doesn't get in trouble for being candid and open about it. Just because I don't agree with what he did, I think it's great content for us and for the fans, and that's why we're here talking about it. If he didn't talk about it on his podcast, we would just be—it'd be something we breezed over, like eleven and the one into it again, next subject. But you know, William Byron's won two races. Chevys have won everything this year, and we're sitting here talking about Denny Hamlin, who don't even know where he finished. Yeah, to your Kevin Harvick point. I mean, sometimes hey, point. sometimes yeah. bad bad media is good media. I mean, that's. Might be a page out of the old – he might have watched Stack and Pennies, Kevin Harvick edition, you know. Might have been taking a page out of old cage. Was on his way to win his 10th Phoenix win. Yeah. He passed me. I was like, go on, big guy. <laughs> we are not worthy. Fast <laughs> like, me like, God, he's so freaking good. You go to Phoenix, you know Kevin Harvick's going to run in the top, top 10. What, he finished 20 times in the top 10? Yes. 20 times in a row, dude. In a row. That's absurd. Nothing broke. Nothing happened. He didn't get spun out. Top 10. Just solid freaking days. But my man was way out front. Harrison Burton spinning out. Another Ford 2, which I'm sure they didn't love that. Spins out. Re-racks it. They take four. They get buried in track position. And that's all, that's all she wrote. First thing first, that was an organic caution. People are 
busting NASCAR's ass about, oh, why'd they throw the caution so quick? He spun out, and then his tire shredded. The caution was coming out. When people spin out, caution comes out. Right. It, it's it what was it an is. organic caution. It wasn't a debris caution. It wasn't a fluke caution. It was on the front stretch, in front of the spot, uh, in front of the tower. All of it. It was yeah. a caution. Yeah, it was a caution. Somebody spins out. I hated it, put it out. for, I hated it because I just, like, was ex- genuinely excited for Kevin Harvick, but, like, I wanted a caution to come out because I wanted another shot with Blaney, and it gave us, we were almost in position to win that thing, finish second, but as, uh, you know, as a driver and a crew chief, when you are the fastest car on the track and you're the leader in that situation, you really can't gamble to take two because you don't want to lose by taking two, right? If you have the best car, you want to put four on it and put it in your hands and try to control it. Well, Harvick essentially had Rodney's back after the race. He said, I'd rather be on the offense than defense. Yes. And he went down swinging. Um, obviously, they had code words from guys taking two, and I think more guys took two than what than what Rodney anticipated because here's the thing. The 45 took four, and he ran third, four, third. So the opportunity to get back to the front was there. Just picking the right lanes on a restart just didn't work out for him. But um, I don't think four in the position that the four car was in was this atrocious choice. It wasn't. It was the choice. Absolutely not. You're, yeah. I mean, as the leader, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah. So obviously Kevin's pit stall was earlier in the sequence than the other two. How much time do you need to to change a pit call? When can you go from four to two when you realize other people are doing something? If you're in pit stall one and the guy's like twenty or thirty back, you know you can, I think you can do it at that pit road too because it's super long. I think it's track dependent. But man, I think you're I think with how fast the pit stops are now and how quickly everything's going on, I think it's you you pretty much make your bed and lay in it before you get down to pit road. Yeah, I think you, you have your decision made. or, or So you're not audibling at all on pit road. So we're in pit stall 41 this weekend. So, like, we we know what we're doing. You're not changing anything. But say that we're the leader and Larson is running second and he sees us go to the left side, Cliff could go, hey, two tires here, and he's in pit stall one. I think you have enough time there. But there's not a ton of time to, to change that and call that off. But it can be done. It's... It depends on what pit stall you're in and how long the pit road is. At Bristol, you might not be able to get it done. But Bristol's pretty long, too, because you have the backstretch. So that might be a bad bad one. But there's there's a couple tracks where pit road's pretty narrow, like Charlotte. You probably wouldn't be able to get it done. I think, I think that, too, the big teams that are competing for wins have war rooms with engineers back there scanning everybody. Yes. So those guys have a pretty good inkling of code words and this and that. Like, they are – sifting through radio communication unless there's a new code word that they don't know they have a pretty good idea of what anybody's doing especially guys are going for a win so you have to take that it's not like it's on cliff or rodney or you know who's your guy jonathan hassler yeah. you're gonna learn his name by the end of the year i promise <laughs> sure you. it's not on those guys like those guys are getting fed information and rarely are they making an off the hip probably shot i can't imagine i mean they had a conversation about it like what do you think about this what do you think about that and and like last week we took four and it didn't work out for us. Yeah, and the four car was the other one that took four and it didn't work out for them. This week, new, new, you know, different track, different package, same situation. Track position right now it seems to be king. This really has been grinding my gears. Everybody's talking about hard passing this and bad racing that. You can take the spoilers off of them. 
it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, there are 32, 33 guys that get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. A lot of time, the top 20 probably getting paid millions of dollars to drive their car as fast as it's capable of going, right? Like back in the day, you would get 20 guys that were like getting paid a lot of money. Then there were some guys that were just like had their own car and they just show up. That's where you got the crashes from. Now you see like the cream rising to the top through the Xfinity series, just through the development of the series to not crash. Like your objective is to drive the car and the amount of downforce and the amount of tire grip to its maximum potential. So you're not going to see you can you can make them as hard as you want to to drive. You're not going to get many guys making mistakes because just the drivers are getting so good. And when that's the case, when the cars drive bad, you can't be as close to other cars. You can't be loose in, loose off, and then try to be racing somebody side by side on old tires. You might be able to get somebody in there and they miss the mark. And you might be able to pass them, but when the general parts and pieces of the car are the same spec parts, the setups vary quite a bit, but Everybody has relatively the same thing, so the speed of the car isn't going to be very much different. Phoenix has raced like this forever. Forever. It's since it's the old the track. Way the racetrack is what it is. But it's a complete race. Like if if you're somebody that wants to watch wrecks or you judge a race off of the passes, then I would challenge you to educate yourself on what goes into the race and like how Kevin Harvick went from you know, eighth or whatever to fifth to passing the Hendrick cars when they were so dominant. And it was a slow, slow gains, meticulous, being disciplined, put himself in position. That's why he wins all those races there. That's a that's a hard race to win. You have to have a you have to have a great day on pit road. You have to have a flawless day driving the thing, get through traffic well and execute with your setup. And he did all that. Yeah. And you know, if you can't appreciate that, then I would I don't want to be like too much of a homer because we're sitting in the basement of NASCAR right now. But as a as a racer, if you can't appreciate that, then I don't know what you're looking for. Right. If you look at that pit sequence where you had Jones stay out, Harvick pitted when he did, and came up on the track, basically right there at the five car. Right. Like that to me, to what you're talking about, the strategy that is going into that race. You had long green flag runs, so everybody's on these different strategies, trying to gain a little position here and there, and then you had that battle for the lead. That's that's exciting to me because it's this race within the race and all this stuff that's going on. Yeah, well, that's also why you the experience going to the track, watching a scanner and watching your guy is so much different than just watching it on TV because they can't cover the races within the races. That's why we just when I talk to people that are you know, fringe fans of the sport. It's like, man, you got to come. You got to come put a scanner on. You got to come see and really watch one guy because my race running between 23rd and 27th all day looks different than what Kyle Larson's race does. It's no less hard, no less different. It's probably it's probably harder because you're in the hornet's nest. Those guys up front are giving and taking and the cars are driving good back and back towards where where we were with an extended practice weekend kind of works against us because with our with our team with two cars we we were 14th in practice i didn't think we were great we were like 20th on average but the problem is is if you give a hendrick a stewart haas a penske four car teams gives an hour worth of data points 
then if there's a car that we're better than in practice, they instantly put in what the best car their fleet is, and they leapfrog you overnight. That's what we're up against, especially as small as the gains are with this car. But there are so many nuances as a fan that are just deeper than what the broadcast is. That's I think that's why we do the show. And it's something as simple as air pressure sweeps right for the camera. four cars. You know, yeah. anything like like when Hendrick has four cars, they're probably all going to start on maybe four different air pressure. We're all going to try something. This is what we're going to – this is what I'm going to do different. This is what you're going to do. And yeah. these cars really react to air pressure, it seems like. Yeah. Well, the, the tires are – one, they're the only thing that touches the ground, yeah. contrary to what makes people think. Um, so air pressures – I mean, we're talking – two tenths of a pound we're not talking like you know the difference of 34 and 37 pounds you can notice a difference in three tenths of left rear air pressure like that's the difference of your run being good or complete dog i hope that we lose it as a sport where we're just so critical on every race and yeah like if you if you watch drive to survive and like f1 racing and you say one bad word about a NASCAR race ever, I don't want to hear it. Because Max Verstappen is winning those races by a month. Laps. By a f- month. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I, that's where, and, like, I just don't understand, like, as a fan base, why we get that way. Like, where we just complain about everything. Because, like, if they want to see more wrecks, well, guess what? Last year, when we were blowing tires and the cars were wrecking every 30 laps, it was like, these that's tires suck. This is stupid. So, like, what? Well, <laughs> What are we doing? So my question in watching that race, and I know you'll you'll touch on your day earlier, but you, for example, you're running 30th all day, and then you grind yourself up to, you know, 25th, 26th. I think we were 23rd. We'd have finished. Caution comes out there at the end, and then a couple guys took the wave. We weren't able to, and we just had a battery battery. You know, Josh, Kevin Harvick's day, same way, you know, just kind of slowly grinding his way up to the front. But Josh Berry shows up at the end, and my question to you on that, and not to also dis- golf clap for Josh Berry, Good not job, to Josh not Berry. to discredit what what Josh did, but you know, is that is that him learning, him getting better, him being in Hendrick equipment? Is it the field being equalized because it's the first time you guys have been on track with a new package? What what do you attribute you know that finish to? Is it Josh Berry just being that damn good in that car? Well, it's pretty damn good time to be driving a Hendrick car. He would have run 12th if Denny didn't take Ross to the cleaners, so probably just give that nod to Denny. <laughs> That's uh, two spots he yeah, got yeah, there. I mean, there's two. And right. I'm not being critical you of know, Josh. Uh, I'm just, I'm, took, no, dude, I'm curious. It's hard, it's hard to run top 10, especially yeah. in your third, fourth, whatever race it is. But Hendrick has hit on something. Obviously, they've uh, they dominated the last three weeks, pretty much, besides, uh, besides Kyle Busch winning at Fontana. Little gains with this car are ex- like exponential in terms of grip and speed, especially over the long runs when these races go super green like they like they did this past week. But to stay out of trouble, he got put in the middle and put in some bad spots early on restarts. I think it was a little bit of getting up to speed for him because, I mean, cup restarts are hectic no matter if it's the first one or the last one. So once he kind of got acclimated to the aggressiveness of that, it seemed like he was able to settle in. Long green runs certainly helped them too, because that grip that that nine car showed, you know, you can just pick your, you can pick two, three guys off a run. You come in, your pit crew's great, you blast to the front, and then you find yourself going from, you know, twenty third to, you find yourself thirteenth, fourteenth, and you're in the hunt. That was, a t- I think Josh did better than what I anticipated him doing. To be honest, I think he did better than what a lot of people anticipated. But 
then again, that's why he is, you know, he's a championship four contender in the, in the Xfinity series and he's driving a pretty damn good car right now. The way that that race played out all day, like we saw pit road penalties. There wasn't a lot of opportunities if you, if you lost a lap or made a mistake to get it back. So for him to just stay on the lead lap all day and keep grinding was even though he's in a Hendrick car and one of the best cars in the field, it's yeah. not an easy thing to do to put a, that's a, you have to have a complete race for sure. to finish well. In that well, race, he so. was in a Hendrick Kudos car last week too. Correct. Grand 29. Yep. So qualifying is super important, especially to a place like that where the, the leaders are just laying heater laps down to start the run. You got to stay on the lead lap as long as possible. You mentioned that Hendrick has found something like is, are we starting to kind of see that not resurgence? I don't know if that's the right way to put it because I mean, Hendrick has always been great. And I mean, they are a dynasty in NASCAR, if you will. But, you know, the past couple of years, they haven't been hitting that mark, and their mark is championships. Mm-hmm. Are they starting to put – did they get the pieces put in place that we're starting to maybe see that and see them back there rattling them off? Is that a, you is can't – you're not going to be able to keep down. Is that, are you talking about pieces put in place? Is that a, is that a reference to the Lubers? It's not a reference to that. It's not a reference to that. It says here um, the, hu- the the the, the, the I couldn't, human, I couldn't the let that pieces. I couldn't yeah, let no, that dad no. joke go. But I mean the human pieces. But, but yeah, Chevy key partner. It says right here what's making what's making Hendrick dominant. Chevy key partnership, people, pit crew, all of it. Yeah, it's all of it. It's not very very much when you're winning. People want to look at one glaring thing, but it's a bunch of little things, right? You stack enough pennies where you're making a dollar, that's and that's you know it's it's a little bit here, it's a little bit there, and then. When you're a lot of times when you see a team that's a little bit behind, they leapfrog. This this has been the trajectory of the sport forever. You know, last time they were this good was two years ago with the old car. Yep. And they had a, they struggled last year, but Hendrick Motorsports is not going to stay down for long if you, ever. If you look at since when Jeff Gordon came in, there's been no team that has performed to that level that that I mean, hell, they're. Seven or eight wins away from 300 Cup Series wins. Buddy. They were good before yeah, that. Do you, do you want me to explain to you how racing works? You need a lot of money to run very fast. Because the age-old saying is speed costs and how fast you want to go. When you have no budget and the best people and no like any tool you could possibly imagine to make a race car go fast in a circle, they have. So why wouldn't they be successful in any objective they want to do. They weren't, I just think they weren't. Tim Richmond, right? Jeff Bodine, Terry Labonte. It was, the, the foundation was in place before Jeff Gordon came along. Yeah, but right? you're talking about dudes with 9 and 12 wins, not Jimmy Johnson with 84 and, and Jeff with 93. Like there's. Yeah, but they built that foundation for him to come in and yeah, be able to do that. They were also on the cutting edge, the cutting edge of the technology and, and seven posts and wind tunnel stuff like that. Like, you know, Ray Evernham set that tone. Sure, but like when you when you compare some of those guys, like in, in their win totals in the grand scheme of things, like that's fairly average NASCAR career, maybe above average. But I got a good question for you because I, I think I know where like what the sense of William Byron is in the garage. But like last week, you asked the question: Does that win in Vegas solidify him? How do you feel about him now? I think. I felt something different just as a fan watching it last weekend and how he won that race. And I think the fact that the team doubled down even more. So it's like, okay, this this dude's legit. This dude's a contender. Where does he rank? In, like, what's his perception in the garage? Like, he's no longer just 
the kid on iRacing. Now he's whipping our ass back-to-back weeks in the Cup Series and like almost the complete package now. Yeah. I mean, you got to take him serious. Not yet complete package. Get that championship complete package. You have to be a complete package to be a champion first, I believe. Fair. It doesn't come first. It doesn't come one way or the other. Is Denny Hamlin the complete package, Charles? I mean, that's that's a tough question. I mean, spicy. If you're only as good as your last race, it's not looking so hot. I mean, he does drive a FedEx car. They deliver packages, so you know he could be a pack a package. You you know who is looking pretty good for his last race? William Byron. He's been waiting backstage for about 20 minutes. So let's go ahead and get him on. After pit road boats and woes, though, sorry, William (laughs) B. We're gonna break down some pit crew stuff coming right up. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Boats and woes. Coming right up. Big day. We're going to do, do a little new segment. It's not even a new segment. We're just going to, instead of tell, tell you guys which pit crew was the best on pit road, we're going to also say the names of the top dogs on pit road. So who are the top dogs on pit road? Seven team this weekend. Big win. Yeah. For the Spire Motorsports boys. Well, they're they're Hendrick Motorsports boys. Hopefully they're not on a Hendrick Motorsports car this week because that's usually what happens. Tough thing. So, yeah. Front tire changer, Jafar Hall. Definitely dog. <laughs> Fueler, which is kind of like a picker guy. Matt Lehman. He's a big dog. Rod Cox, rear changer. Oh, great name. Dog. <laughs> Brandon Ge- Brandon Greer, oh, tire carrier. Stud and dog. And the guy we're going to talk about most. Who? Jackman Eric Ludwig. Oh, funky dog. <laughs> How about my man? Eric Ludwig has, he is definitely doing something much different since we've gone the five lug, or since we've gone from five lug nuts to one. We have seen guys, especially Jackman. Pause that real quick. Are there, is it just straight up pit stop times? Or is it like positions game? Pit stop times. Okay. It's your your four tire pit stop average. Okay. Yep. So they well, were. What, do you know what it was? It was like a nine eight. They, they were, were they were, they down were there. moving. So. They were the only team in the nines. We came in third fourth car one lap down every time every time first car out. Really? Yeah. That's a good clean day. A, I mean that's a credit out. to you. I mean that's a big deal for you to be able to get in your pit box like you said you were a lap down so it was yeah. good to be able to get in your pit box. I wish yeah. we stayed in the lead lap had a run where those guys could have really. Got some chunks of track position for us because that was the difference. We just were buried a lap or two down all day. When we've gone from five lug nut to one lug nut, the Jackman, it's been very important how fast they get from the right side to the left side so they can hang the left rear. So every little bit they can gain 
directly correlates the pit stop time. Mm-hmm. So what he does that's different than anybody else is after he hangs the right front, most guys go, they face the car and go back to the jack. He actually turns his back to the car, grabs the jack with his right hand, so yeah. his back it's is towards looking. you, and then he does like a Junior Johnson grab the jack and swing it around the front of the car. And, uh, and then catches it about halfway halfway yeah. around the car. It's super cool. Uh, he's the only one. A little that different does it. than this, wiping out the damn <laughs> NASCAR official. <laughs> but but like I mean, yes. we talk about NASCAR seventy five, and he's it's he's Looks doing the same similar. swing. I mean, it's, it's it's pretty cool to to be able to correlate that back. But it's um it's something that is unique to him. He's made it work. I I know people have been like, why are you doing that? But he's stuck with it, and obviously it's working out for him. So it's been cool to watch. Yeah, he says it's two to three. Tenths better, obviously. When you're talking the difference between a nine eight and a ten one, could be a could be a big deal of whether you're top of the sheet or you know a couple uh, you know fourth or fifth in line. So to your point, I think he had he was on a house car and he stuck with it, and now he's kind of perfected it. So it's cool to see those guys clicking on all those cylinders. How soon before this gets picked up by every other pit department? Because I feel like coming into this year. Everyone was, you know, speculating about left-handed pit stops because they saw some people do it and they heard they could gain tenths. How soon before we see every jackman on pit road slinging a jack like Junior Johnson? So I don't know that it would be the fastest for everybody to do it that way, but it's the fastest for him. So I don't think that people are going to switch because it's not a new thing he's been doing. He's been doing it the whole time, and people know about it, and people watch it. Like, we all watch each other's films. But— but do people practice that during the week just to see? I'm sure people have tried it because everybody, you know, especially in the off season, is like, let me watch what they did. Okay, let me see how that feels. Okay, it doesn't feel great. Like the Penske guys do something different than some of the Hendrick guys and the Gibbs guys. So I think if people are going to switch to that, they may already have done it. But if he keeps getting faster with it, it's going to be something that people are inevitably going to look at, just like we talked about with right-handed, left-handed changers. You're seeing more people go left-handed. It, it's... If it's faster, people are going to do it, no doubt. But it, it's it's cool. You know, I can just sit here and appreciate what he's done with it and how he's stuck with it. And being P1 on pit road is not an easy task. This week, I think you saw more blow-up stops. There was a lot of slow stops. A lot of a lot of people had a rough race or at least a rough stop from a lot of really good teams. And uh, Why is know, that? I don't, I don't really know if it Wheels was a new up. package with – with um, brake heat making the wheels tight and just there was just like a some lost nuts, some penalties. There was just a little bit of everything going on that people were just kind of sloppy. So I'm not sure, but you're gonna definitely want it cleaned up before you go back there in in, uh, in the fall with a chance to win a championship. But well, the the sloppiest of the day was the old ten car losing a wheel hitting the fence. Yeah, and, and you know hate I, to see it. I I wonder how long that. It's Eric Amarillo's birthday to do it too. Shout out Eric Amarillo. Happy birthday to Eric Amarillo on March 14th. Pi day. Pi day. It is. Pi 3-14. But, yeah, I wonder how long he ran for with that with that on there because – Here's the thing. The the loose wheels now, they kind of – with the single lug nut, they don't vibrate because they, they essentially find a home wherever they're loose and the, the camber just stays the same. Yeah. And you don't get like that – that chatter, you just lose turn or gain turn or yeah. Or, you know, the, the right rear was loose on a 77 to Daytona and it would just, it went just away on the upright with the lug nut being on the, what I call it, the detents. Yeah. 
and it just essentially gains a couple degrees of camber but stays in there and the only way it lose or you feel it loose is when you shift the weight oh so that's probably what happened with the the right front's got so much camber in it it laid more camber to it and then next thing you know the lug nut pops off in your defense yeah and we did five lug nut for so long that we kind of knew cut and dry what was loose and what wasn't and now we don't re- like still even a year into this we don't have a clear-cut idea of like what's exactly tight and what's not i think sometimes you're kind of hoping and guessing and sometimes you think stuff's tight and it's not and sometimes you think stuff's gonna be loose and it's super tight so it's hard to tell but what happened there with the 10 why you see the wheel break is it comes loose and then it rides on the lower on the bolt on the the lower control arm and it ends up cutting the wheel until the aluminum wheel finally breaks under load and then it comes apart that's when he hit the wall and then that's when the the loose lug nut pops off yeah and it broke the rear toe link everything just kind of because it because it'll kind of fall especially when the car's at ride height the wheel's just not going to fly right Right. out it's going to fall into the fender and keep yeah keep running and then once the tire sheds off it that's when it comes off so definitely a terrible situation you never want to see people lose wheels but it's part of it's just part of the world that we live in right now but i'll tell you uh, i'll tell you who didn't lose their wheels with 24 car cordero getting a lot of tv time during a green flag stop the gas man actually lost the gas can cordero sacrificed his body and stopped it and then he felt yeah he felt like he slipped he stopped the gas can with like his ankle and then he stepped in the gas and slipped (laughs) and fell and then the hero of the day yeah last stop they they cut the jack and just super Super now, aggressive, a lot of trust for each other, and got across the front and kind of slid across have, the left front headlight. Have you ever been taken out? Uh, when like on a two tire or something? No, yeah. you just it's you just kind of jump and you slide across the hood if you need to. It's something like Nick O'Dell, I think, was the best one. I think at Watkins Glen, uh, he got up and it was when they were doing the side closest to the wall, so you coming backwards. So they were still doing the right side first, and then they go around to the left side at Watkins Glen, then have to run back across. And he's a front tire changer for Odell. I remember he kind of got up on the hood and spun around and landed like flat on his butt and did like a safe <laughs> live on TV. But yeah, it's it's not a typically new thing. But when teams are firing on all cylinders and have, you know, a ton of confidence like the 2014 does right now, they trust each other so much that they're going to rip that jack and go for a win. And that's what they did. That's what worked out. How do you practice that? You don't ever practice it. You don't ever practice it? You're not thinking, all right, I have to get this foot here, so I'm pushing off at this point by the time I reach the center of the hood. So everybody does something a little different. Um, I tend to run at more of an angle, like away Mm -hmm. from the car. So as he's turning out, I'm running at like more of an angle of what Jeff did, so I'm kind of running away from the car, and it kind of goes behind me. Um, Jeff kind of just ran straight and bounced off the emblem and and the headlight, which is it looks probably way more sketchier than it feels when you do the job for a living. But I don't I don't know how much like they actually leave the pit box in pit practice. Uh but it's not something like it's it's just kind of one of those things that there's so much other stuff to fine tune that you're just like the car's leaving, get out of the way. Yeah. Don't you know get and if you're gonna end up get get up so you can get on the hood, don't get under it. So that's you know, that's the that's the biggest takeaways from there. Because if you get on the hood, it'll eventually spit you off, and you just yeah. don't want to get your you don't want to get your hose caught. You don't want to get your hose caught, and you don't want to get your foot caught on the splitter, and right. like then it's. I remember back in the day, like Colin Posse on the sixteen car, he would do like a patented lean and clean the grill, and the splitter dropped and on his shoe, and it ripped his shoe off when it <laughs> drug. Yeah, come out. It was I think it was that Charlotte. The yeah. real warriors. Yeah, it was so, crazy, and then yeah, rest of the day, Reddick 
you know, Reddick had some woes, but they put themselves in contention at the end, and we we talked through um, we talked through the two tires and four tire stop. I mean, it's it's just something that we're gonna see with how crazy the restarts are. I've got Track a position. I've got a question on that. When earlier in the show, y'all were talking about code words and all that stuff, and 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 my question is this: I know it's team to team; they do they have different ways of doing it. Is it here's the word? It's like banana, and that means two tires, four tires, or whatever. Or is there like a keyword that you don't want to give away the actual code word? So it's like, all right, I'm going to say, you know, give us in football, you give a series of numbers. If it's an odd number at the end, then that means you're going left, like student body left. If it's, you know, an even number, student body right. Like, yeah, there's, I think every team probably does a little different. Um, I know one team I used to be on, the Jackman would keep the code words in like a quarterback, like pouch like on sleeve. his arm, like a sleeve, and he would flip it up. All right, uh, diamonds is four tires, okay. Yeah. Hearts is fuel, you know, whatever it was that week, and it changes every week, so we would swap that out. Um, now there's kind of more intercom systems where the pit crews have a live chat with the crew chief at some teams, and everybody's kind of doing a better job of communicating. But yeah, it, it's team the team. But you on the live radio that everybody's listening to, they're gonna have they're gonna say one thing and then. You know, whether the crew chief looks down and does like a four, yeah. you know, like a four tire with his fingers or a two or like a fuel only, um, you just kind of want to keep it to yourself. How does want... the driver keep up with all that? They have, they have it in the car. Oh. So they'll have a sheet, like a butt. Like, do you, where do you keep yours? We don't have, we run 25th. We don't need code works. <laughs> So, What's the like joint have doing? A sheet, have like a oh, sheet. Oh yeah, yeah. Hot dog or banana? Sure. Good on their fine. dash or like up, up on the roll bar that says like, you know, one, two, three, four, A, B, C, D. And it has it labeled on what it is i just want one crew chief to do like the peyton manning like omaha and like the the omaha is the word that they use all the time but it changes what it means that's what we that's what we call our four tire stop no adjustment omaha so like yeah so like when we talk to each other like it'll be if internally if if it's a four tire stop no adjustment like omaha 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 and that's how we all know what it is and then if there's an adjustment like on the right side it'll be like rifle 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 so that's how it's funny that you say that because that's what we use for just our standard four-tire stop because of Peyton Manning. Why don't we? Why don't I we... mean, my man's been eyeing this Lego up in front of me for the last half an hour. So, William Byron, come on in. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After this commercial break. All right, guys, like I've been talking about, very special guest coming in studio. It's not often we get to talk to the champ in person, back to back. Well, yeah, you're the Phoenix champ. (laughs) And then last week, you were the Vegas champ. It's true. This week, you're the Stack and Pennies champ, my friends. So thank you for joining us in the studio, Mr. Wilton Byron. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. You you haven't been here in studio, but you've been on the Zoom a couple times. Yeah, uh, one time. Yeah, like during COVID, I think, I recent deal. So, yeah, I think that's it. Well, there's only yeah. there's only room for one guy that doesn't win and one guy that does win. So <laughs> welcome back to the hot seat. Thank you. You've been on a heater, my friend. Congratulations. I it. Thank you, man. How's it yeah. feel? It's great. I mean, honestly, we started the year kind of off, uh, not off, but just had some bad results and um, had some things happen. In Vegas, we were looking for a solid weekend and showed up with speed and, and just felt like we kind of uh, we kind of transitioned our goals from there. So uh, yeah, it's just been good. A lot of work in the off season, going to sim and. Uh, just trying to be better as a team, so it's good. So you started the year off a little slow. You've won half the races. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, was I, was sitting here wondering, like, I was like, uh, that, if this that, is a slow that, start, how bad is this going to be for all guys of us? Guys are in <laughs> trouble. What do you think about the new downforce package? I, I, the driver yeah. chat's been pretty quiet this week. Yeah. Hasn't seen it, haven't seen any input, good or bad. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I don't know. I didn't think passing was any better, honestly. Like, if I'm being objective, I from a race fan perspective, I thought, passing was really tough now I was running really well so I was running with the top four guys and trying to pass them but like even coming up to lap cars and just how much it changes the balance of your car I thought is is still a bad thing but I mean as a driver you were definitely manhandling the thing and you're sideways and things like that are nice um felt like the car was easier to save I don't know if you guys felt like that but so that was good to have some more drivability but yeah I got to work on the dirty air still I don't know what's I don't know what's causing that because you go run the Xfinity car and that thing is really good in dirty air. So I don't know. I mean, we did watch Ryan Tricks so that he could get close like in the Xfinity race day before he could get close, but then he would get tight too. So yeah, the race physics the race looked hard like, to overcome physics, my friend. <laughs> it looked like it was a hard race to run. Like Harvick, typical yeah. Harvick, like kind of hung out and then was there at the end. So like, did it make it a harder race to manage than just running out the whole time? Yeah, I was I was tired after the race. I think. Um, Anytime you, you know, you kind of, you're sweating on your back and you're kind of like, man, this is tough. Like I'm manhandling this thing. It kind of, I feel like with 15 laps to go, I was running third or fourth and I'm like, how many laps to go? Cause like, I'm tired of, this thing is just sideways up off and never hook the rear tires up. So that's, that's probably a good thing, you know, for us. And, uh, hopefully it makes a good race, you know, on TV, but yeah, Harvick's, I mean, he's amazing with low grip and just what he can do running the line. Like I just don't. Don't understand how he runs so low and, and stays down there, dude. Well, he pretty much owns Phoenix, right? Yeah. I mean, twenty in a row, top ten finishes, I believe. Yeah, absurd number. But you got the best of him this weekend, my my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. Was there anything you did different start the race, or maybe even practice throughout the course of the day as the grip moved around and migrated to the top? Did you find yourself going up there, or were you kind of married to the bottom? I felt like it was uh it was good to go up top at times, but it takes a lot out of the tires. So I felt. 
felt like up front I was trying to run the bottom as much as I could because I, I thought it was better on my tires. But yeah, eventually it kind of got rubbered in and it wasn't as good on the bottom. Like the, the, the paint wasn't as grippy. So trying to stay down there was really made for too much effort. So I thought it kind of moved up as the race went on. I don't know, man, that place is just hard to just hard to race. Like you don't, you don't really ever get close to somebody unless there's a huge difference in, in speed and fall off. So it's just a tough place. I mean, it takes a lot of, a lot of skill to get around there, but tough to pass. When the caution, where were you running when that caution came out with like eight fourth? What do you think? As soon as the yellow drop, we're like, uh, okay, we got a shot at it. I wasn't like so Vegas. I was really excited when the caution came out because I was I was actually catching Kyle quite a bit, but we weren't gonna have time to catch him. So. I was excited then, but then I, I don't know how you are, but I feel like like if I'm running pretty good. Can I tell you how I am? Yeah. Usually when a caution comes out, I hope it's somebody in front of me, so it's a couple free, sp- free spots. Yeah, That's I get I that. Yeah. Or it's <laughs> a lucky that. dog. Or it's a lucky yeah, dog. Lucky I'm dog. like, thank God I'm the lucky dog. Let's go. Yeah. A little different in your scenario. Yeah. I mean, if you're running top five, I feel like you're just, unless you're the second place guy who can capitalize, like you're like, oh, caution. Like yeah. now I could end up 20th. Like and now my day's ruined. So. Um, for me, I was kind of like, ah, whatever late race restart. But yeah, when Rudy said that, you know, the call, the code word, I was, which we got to change by the way. Now, what, what was it if you're changing it now? Uh, Camaro. Okay. I mean, I can't believe we didn't change it from Vegas. And when he said it, I'm like, dude, like <laughs> this ain't gonna, like everyone knows. So, uh, when he said that, I was kind of, I was a little bit concerned that no one else would do it. And then the 12 did it. And, uh, the, who else did it? The one, I think. Five. And there the was five. six up on two. Yeah. So there was a gap there. So like when I was rolling pit road, leaving with two tires, I was watching everyone on the jack and I'm like, this ain't good. Like, this is going to be just me. And then Kyle came out and, and then a couple other guys. So, yeah. Now when you, did you win the race off pit road? No. Larson Yeah. When he chose the bottom, did you think that you were in the advantageous spot being on the outside? No, because I, with this car, I mean, you know, like you don't get arrow loose under somebody. Mm -hmm. So he's got all the, he's on offense in that position. Like he can run me in the wall he can do whatever so the first restart he slid me into one and he got position i tried to cross but i couldn't so and then ryan was in my inside so that one didn't really work very good but the second one i got a good launch like almost better than him he spun the tires a little bit and so i had an advantage there but the distance kind of got him back in front but we were enough even enough to where felt like i could maintain i talked to larson on serious today and he said he was a little bit surprised how deep you drove in second time to keep on his door yeah and you knew he was going to do it because you've seen it before yeah did you change anything and how far you drove it in the second time a little bit i just had a better launch so i had more like momentum going forward yeah um the launch before he had me by like a half a car length in the restart zone so i was mm. kind of like eh, i'm not really far enough to if I go in, I'm gonna yeah. be on his right rear. He's just I'm Steffy just in the fence. Yeah, yeah, I'm just be in the fence, and that'll be my fault. So, um, yeah, we were just further side by side, but uh, yeah, it was sketchy up there. It was like marbles and and stuff, but it was good. You send Tyler Reddick a nice Christmas card this I year. I should. Or what do you do there? I should man. <laughs> Go send him a hat. <laughs> that, that shove. That that, that push really. I mean, because you guys, yeah. if not, you guys go in the in the three. You know, three wide, three wide. and you could be in trouble there. So yeah, yeah, that was big. Yeah, I mean, I owe that to him because he. I mean, he had a choice. I feel like everything kind of funnels to the outside down the straightaway. But, yeah, he definitely – I mean, he hit me so hard. It was awesome. It was like, <laughs> like on a short track, you're like, all right, bring it to me. Yeah, like, <laughs> boom. That was, a, that, was a, that was a big shot. Interesting yeah. stat here I'm sitting here looking at. Yeah. Five of your six cup wins have came in the first eight races of the season. Really? Yeah. That's How can you make some races yeah. in the playoffs come so Willie B can be 
holding the big trophy. I mean, we just got to keep doing the processes as a team. I feel like in the past it gets really there gets a lot of hype around our team, and then that separates us a little bit. We don't do the same processes. So, uh, yeah, we just got to keep our heads down internally, well, internally focus, blinders. Well, it also – there's a lot of hype comes with the 24 number too. Do you feel any of that pressure? For sure. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, legacy questions, which, I mean, is great. Like, but it's – yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to make my own name in that. So I don't, I don't really look at it as – I don't know. I just kind of look at it, Jeff and I's relationship, and that's what really matters to me. And obviously, love all that comes with the twenty-four. I mean, it's amazing fan base, and um, but I try to stay kind of internally focused. So, how's William Byron different than Jeff Gordon? A lot different. He's a lot more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a he's a party animal. I'm kind of a homebody. I'm kind of introverted. So we're different in that, but. He's, uh, yeah, I mean, we get along great, honestly. Like, he got me out of my shell at Hendrick, I think, and they talked about that on the broadcast, but uh, it's a true thing. Like, he, he really got to know me. So you speak about your team and the two-tire stop at the end, and one way that, you know, being a picker guy can really gauge aggression is the fact that you almost ran Cordero right over, yeah. which is not new, but that you can see that the aggression knob is turned up, that your jack man trusts Cordero to rip the jack right when the wheel's tight and he's going to yeah. get out of the way and you're going to leave. Yeah. Because there's some guys that check up and you're going. Yeah. Is the is the aggression knob – have you and Rudy talked about having the aggression knob turned all the way up this early in the season? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Like aggressive is a really commonly used word in racing, but I feel like it's execution. Like I expected him to be in a spot and he was there. And so like when he's in the middle of the hood, I'm like, I'm going, dude. Like he's told me yeah. that. You know, he's oh, like, yeah. It's like, dude, just go. Like, I don't care. Gotta go. Like, like, I'm not carrying any equipment. I mean, I guess he'd throw the hose if he had to. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's an execution. It's like, we look at that on film, we're like, all right. Like, Rudy tells me on the jack. And Mm -hmm. that's that's my cue. And so, I think it's trust. You know, it's trust in those. I've got a great pit crew, and they, we've built that kind of trust relationship. How much of your late success comes from maturity process, confidence behind the wheel, in your crew, in yourself, what do you think is the major culprit behind that? Is it all of it? When I came in the Cup Series, I was kind of coming into Casey's guys and Casey's team. So I felt like everyone kind of had a perception of, okay, like this guy, he's going to take a while to learn. And I mean, it was hard because of that. Like I didn't have guys that I really like grew up around. And now my te- race team is pretty much all guys that we handpicked. The guys that I worked with, Brandon Lines, my spotter, he was my spotter back when you were helping on my super late model. So he, he was like my spotter since pretty much day one and in, in big cars. And so that kind of, that relationship came back around Rudy and I worked in the trucks and that relationship kind of came back around. So it's, I mean, it's a people sport and I feel like we, we found people that all mesh and I mean, it's just, that's what the trust is from, honestly. Yeah. And it's, and it's showing up for sure. There's almost been something almost as famous as yourself winning the races. It's this yeah. damn hat. <laughs> Where did this thing come from? Yeah, so this thing is... Can you put it on a, over the headset? Yeah, sure. Let's see. It's probably big enough. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Squish that thing on. Yeah. There. So it's <laughs> a big hat. This was an idea. That's, hey, that's big hat energy. That's what <laughs> we call was, that around uh, here. So this was an idea that I saw Josh Allen wearing this uh, in one of the Thursday night games after the win, and I just thought it was really cool. And it gives the sponsors big, big Hell love. Yeah. So we got one for Valvoline. We got one for, you know, Raptor and... uh I don't know, man. It's goofy. I get it. Does it ride in the car with you and you pull it out after the <laughs> That thing would be hitting me in the, in the arm. <laughs> it, it would. There, there's not a lot of room for that. 
you, you said you've been on stacking pains. This is a long time ago, so we have some updated questions. We okay. Got, and I got All something right. for you too. I, I got three that. questions, and I see you iron that up. You can't open Looks it good. just yet. Yeah. Three questions. If you had to pick one car and one track to race at the rest of your life, what are you going with? Oh, man, as much success as I've had, one track and one car, mm-hmm. I'd race the super late model at New Smyrna because that's like, <laughs> well, you're like <laughs> you know, I haven't lost a race. Yeah. So, I don't know what it is. I think I'm I'm a pretty uh, light, just my braking style and just, I don't know, it just works. It just uh, fits me. Maybe, maybe because you're a damn good cup driver racing against novices. I don't <laughs> know, something, something like that. Question number True. two. What's the yeah. most embarrassed you've been at a, dirt, at a uh, racetrack? Oh, you kind of mentioned, you said dirt, and that's what came to mind. I ran Larson's dirt super race last year at Bulls Gap. Showed up, never been in a dirt car, got my butt kicked, and literally, and <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Up? I came to the infield, and Ricky Weiss just comes in the, the, <laughs> the window net and just trying to beat me up. So that was my one, that was one embarrassing moment. What did what did I do? I, I don't know. know. <laughs> There's no mirrors. Dude, you can't see anything. I was running things. the top. I was running the top, and Bloomquist, like they were coming to lap me. It was probably midway through the feature. Like I was running decent. Like never been in a dirt car. Yeah, man. He that was a great experience there. I appreciate that from Ricky Weiss, man. That was not very cool. He's fiery. All right, question yeah. number three. What is your either your first racing memory or your best racing memory? First, hmm. first racing memory was you know I talked about this a lot, but going to Martinsville, you know, with my dad, I was six years old, saw Tony win. And, um, is that 2011? No, 2000, 2005. Yeah. So he, so Tony won home Depot car. My dad was like, all right, let's go like beat the traffic. And I was like, no, we got to stay for burnout, climb the fence. So we stayed for all that down by the start finish. That was, I mean, that's like a memory that sticks in your brain. So, yeah. What is your best racing memory from your career? Probably Xfinity Championship, honestly. Yeah. Just the way it unfolded and running the top, not something that I ne- ever did before, like never. And uh, just was like, all right, let's try it. And it worked and ran LA down. And um, yeah, that was just a, that was kind of like a career defining thing, I think. Mm. That was a pretty big moment. And you're one blown motor away from the old <laughs> sweep with the K&N trucks yeah. blew up in Phoenix yeah, and won the Xfinity Series Championship. Yeah. The truck was – I mean, our trucks were amazing. That you and year. Rudy had Dude, a, it on was, it. I mean, the things I know now, like, just – it was – yeah, Do it you, was awesome. You know what the biggest reason why I noticed – this uptick in competition from Wayne Byron. Why is that? This is chest meat he's got hanging out right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the difference. Old Willie B's That's got some hair in his man. chest. There's He's free surprised. speed on that. <laughs> There's no doubt. All right, open that box. We got something special for you for jumping on stacking pennies. All right. Oh man, it's a we, big gift. We, I saw you. I was flipping through the TV channel and saw you on Lego Masters. Oh boy. So, well, you asked me before. You're like, before we started, you're like, are you a Lego guy? I was like, Duh. well, good, good thing because we got you a gift. Hey, <laughs> look at this. You said you did a nine thousand piece Titanic wow. ship. Now you awesome. have the 75th anniversary, I don't even know what they call that, Lego tech, Technic, tech, yeah. Technic, that thing's sweet. Dude. That's awesome. How fast do you think you can build that? You think know, you can build it by the end days. of the show? Yep, go ahead. <laughs> Just sit over there and build it. We're going to time you. That's the same one on the coffee table. Dang. So this is what it's going to awesome. look like when it's finished. I, contrary to what you might think, I did not build this. Dang. This thing's pretty sweet, dude. Yeah. We just need like a 24 on it. Or Get well, your decal I, kit decal it. up. Oh, dude, this thing's got a <laughs> posi track in it and everything. Wow. It, it Independent just, rear? Yeah. Dang. That. 
Look at that. Stacking pennies. Wow. Giving out giving out some presents to old William Byron. Enjoy cool. that, my friend. That's cool. I know man. you got I know Love you got to run, so I really appreciate you jumping in the studio with us. Yeah, appreciate Congrats it. on the yeah, success. Man. Thank you. Save some bonus. Save yeah. some bonus money. You for the also, rest of us, yeah, yeah. You save, yeah, save some bonus money for the rest of us. Yeah. Will you? And you also you this weekend. Thank you. Uh, I'll need some help. You won the the last time we were at well Atlanta. the the spring. Yeah, Chase right. won the the. So Hendrick sweep in yeah. Atlanta. We'll see. I'll be up there hopefully fighting it out with you, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for joining Stacking Pennies. Yeah, man. Thank y'all. All right, guys, that was William Byron. And now we have Janie back with some Penny for Your Thoughts questions. What do we got this week? Our first question comes from good old Higgy in the audio room. He wants to know, did Williams win last week make Rudy's call for two easier? Oh, for sure. I'm sure Rudy was like, hey, you know what? It worked last week. Let's try it again. And you know what? It worked again. Is that just more confidence in making no. calls, or is that like we already have our playoff lock? Let's just do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Um, you know, you you know, you're able to take a little more risk because you have your playoff ticket punched, but also it's the same down and distance as as it was. It was five to go, four to go. You can get on the front. Now it's a big difference between taking two if you know you're going to be third on back, or taking two feeling confident you're going to be on the front row. So I'm sure Rudy, as soon as that caution came out, he knew he was taking two. He was going to pump the right side tires full of air like they were Q pressures and let them eat, and it worked. Our next question comes from Scott Miller. He asks, can you give a letter grade to the following ways to watch a NASCAR race? At the track, watching on TV, watching one driver's in-car camera, and listening to the radio. At the track, A++. But you have to have a scanner. You can't just go and just like sit there and watch cars going around in a circle. You have to have a headset on, either at least with MRN or PRN or your favorite guy's radio on. Hearing the yeah. spotter communication, hearing the code words like we've been talking about. Like you have to be in it. You can't just go eat a hot dog, watch the race, because you just don't see the full picture of what's going on, how the car's handling. A++ if you have the right stuff. The radio, the scanner, pulling for your favorite guy. A, if you go to the track without a headset. Watch it on TV. It depends who's in the booth. B minus, C plus. I mean, back in the day when we were watching my dad's bush races, we would watch the TV on mute and we would turn on MRN or PRN because those guys are electric. I mean, those guys make the race sound super exciting. So I could even say listening to the radio as like an A minus because you like oh, they can yeah. they can paint the picture. Yep. You can watch the race just by listening to Dave Moody talk, just by listening to Doug Rice talk. I mean, those guys are so freaking good at at listening. Or, You've or, been or, like it, driving, explain, yeah, and and, it, and, and light like, speed. I'm yes. like, it gets you like on the like it literally like gets me on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah. You for you listen to a if you listen to a race on the radio, it's gonna get you like your your heart rate instantly is gonna go up. 20 beats a minute. If you're on a long car trip, it'll, it's a good way to keep you awake, too. Oh, yes, that's it great. Is. Yep. You ain't falling asleep on MRNs mm -hmm. on. So happening. I could even say A, A, A minus, listen to the radio. And then what I've been hearing a lot of people do is like setting up an iPad or something with, because now you can see the in-car camera. You can, you can legitimately follow me around, ride shotgun, listen to my radio, listen to me bitch all day, watch it on the broadcast. I feel like that's a plus. That is my jam. I did it on. I did it 
uh, we were in the first duel, and I turned your camera on at the second duel. I went over to New Smyrna, and I was like, let me see where Corey's doing. Clicked on you, and I was like, oh, he's passed for the lead. Like, it came on, like, right when you got that run on Cindric and kind of turned him a yeah. little bit. And I was like, oh, my man's going for it. I was like, let me double check and make sure that's Corey. And that, that was a super cool way to watch it. I, I would give watching it on TV probably an A minus or a or a B plus. Uh B minus. Multi screen's the way to go. Are the people on MRN watching the broadcast and then commentating or what are they watching when they're, they're talking there. about this? Yeah, so like they're up on like the perch, right? So if there's a, a TV camera up in turn three, generally like there's Sunoco sign or something like that, they're like a Dave Moody is into three. They got binoculars. Literally, they're literally sitting there. Well they yeah. pass them off. So they don't need binoculars, yeah. right? So they probably have four four guys around the track and the guy in the booth and they're passing it and those guys are pros and they know as soon as one person stops talking to where to pick it up and they're painting the picture so and then they've got pit road reporters that are separate that have the tvs that they yep. can watch what's happening yep okay. you've got so in the booth at for mrn what it's alex hayden and like they've got todd gordon in there right now so like there's a three-man booth there directing traffic yeah and then they're going to the turn reporters and then the pit reporters moving on reese verrett asks is there a rule that the front tire changer can't throw the air gun like the pit crew can't be on the right side of the car as the car exits i don't like you can't just chuck it they're gonna say something about that it's uncontrolled equipment isn't it if it gets drug out of the pit box is merriman shaking his head you can't throw hammers and stuff over you can't throw you can't throw it over the wall so like you're not going to IndyCar chuck that thing back. They're not going to let that fly. I don't think there's like a written rule that says don't do that. If you can't drive over the hose, if you drive over the hose, that's that's penalty. And uh, if you drag your equipment outside the box, that's penalty. You're really not going to gain a bunch of time by throwing it back over there because if people start throwing these peel like paley guns, there's surely going to be a rule. Uh, but I don't know. You would probably gain a little bit. How much are those guns? They're pretty expensive. I don't know. I've never had to buy one. I don't know what the lease is, but because none grand. of the teams own them. Yeah. Paoli owns all of them. You lease them per race. Mm -hmm. So they, you get your guns an hour before the race. You can't drive over the hose. Could you drive under it? Ah, uh, no. They're, they, that's, like a limbo? That's stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I know that you can't, but like, no. what, what's what's the reasoning? Do you know? It's dangerous. You know, if, if, they, if one of those hoses get drugged down pit road, it's not only dangerous for the crew guys but it's also dangerous for the people behind the wall fans you know we it, sitting on top of the pit box there's a lot of activation with sponsor and stuff and if you start dragging hoses if it gets drugged far enough it's coming back your That's way a rubber band for sure and then if you if it breaks i mean there's two thousand pounds of air in those bottles three thousand pounds of air in those bottles at anywhere between three and four hundred psi in the hose and that thing whipping around i mean it 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 will hurt you because if you go under, there's a risk that it could catch the the it's, spoiler on the back end yeah. and then spoiler sit, yeah. the anything panel, yeah anything yeah uh, radio antennas anything that you have that's on top of the car. So what we're doing right now is the best way to do it, and it's the way it's going to be. And if people start trying to mess around, NASCAR will surely make a clear cut rule, and it'll be gone in a week. Mm -hmm. Our last question is from Jeff Accord, and I'm going to add to it. Okay. So he wants to know, Corey, if you could go back in time and race any type of car against any driver, who would it be? <laughs> and uh, I want to add to it and say, Flores, if you had to go against a different tire changer mm. and 
beat them out, who would you do? I would love I would love to drive like a 70, 71 Daytona with the big fins on the back, Superbird against David Pearson. Oh, I think yeah. I think lining up against David Pearson, Superbird, Superbird would be freaking electric, man. I think, I think when I'm done with my career, I think one of the biggest things that I look back on and really appreciate is the fact that I changed tires for the Wood Brothers and Leonard Wood, you know, stood there and he did the, the grill brush and was part of the team and stood right there with me. And I think I'll always look back at that and just appreciate that. So it's tough not to say Leonard Wood, but I watched a video this week of uh, Kirk Shelmerdine and the Flying Aces, the three car and how they dominated the pit crew competition there in the late 80s. So I'd love to go against that team of the Flying Aces for sure. That's all we have this week. So Penny Stacker of the Week, I don't know his name, but Pace Laps, I'm driving around. (laughs) Here we go. I'm ready to race. Here we go. And down the back stretch, like the second or third lap under caution, like I start getting my brakes warm, getting my tires clean. I look down the back stretch, and they've got all the campers parked, like the RVs backed up against the fence, right? There's somebody with an American flag and a seven flag hanging i'm like oh i got a fan what's up so i drive closer and i'm looking and my man had a stack and pennies banner printed out like the size Ooh. of that tv hanging on the fence i'm like damn we got penny stackers everywhere didn't get his name don't know nothing but he went out of his way to print a stack and pennies logo banner and hang it on the wall i didn't see any other podcast with a banner hanging so my man at phoenix on the back stretch with a quarter of the joy flag and a stack and pennies banner is the Penny stacker of the week. Did you wave to him? Give him a little finger gun? Or I, I gave him like a like a deuces, like a how we doing? And then got, got down to business. I mean, I imagine he's listening, so like he yeah. can maybe tweet, and then you can find out his name. Just So saying. tweet at us. Tweet at us, you sir, the anonymous fellow with the Court of the Joy flag and the Stack and Penny's banner, and hopefully come to more. Maybe we'll make an appearance, an impromptu Stack and Penny's appearance from the back of your bus. And also the other fans, just tweet us your questions too. They can do that. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts. And while you're at it, while you're driving, while we're wrapping this thing up, just go ahead and give us a like. Five stars. Give us a comment. Just keep this thing chugging right along because we're having some fun with it. Hope you are. We're going to be back each and every week. And also, you better make sure. You better make sure you tune in to Spare Change, but you better not miss the Am Better Health 400 at Atlanta Motor Speedway this Sunday at 3 p.m. Because we're going to have that Celsius Camaro in the wind, ladies and gentlemen. That was Stacking Pennies. See you next week.